0: Good morning, how are you today? Uh, I'm probably a new face for some of you if you weren't here this week. My name is Rob, Uh, my wife Carrie and I have been here around uh, Oikos for for a few months, and like I said last week, I travel a bit, so I might be a bit sporadic, Um, but last week we got started on a text from Matthew's Gospel, and uh, I was just reflecting on how we're going to go through this this morning, watching Jason kind of get prepped this morning and the first thing I want to share is that there was a few of us out last night in a really substantial block party thing called Lights in the Heights. And Jason and Ashley had the occasion actually to, I think, play a little bit, right? Are there a picture or two maybe we could share? There we go. Yeah, so how was it? A good occasion last night? Spectacular, right? A great time? There's another, there you go, right up front there, and there was some, I think there might have been some hecklers yelling at you when you were singing a little bit too. But whether you were out there or not, because I know some of us were out there last night, it might have been a... A busy night, it might have been a late night, it might have been an early night, but, but very glad you're here and glad we have occasion to share the word. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious Father, we thank you for uh, this morning, just the time together in your presence, Father. We thank you for your promises, which we know we're always faithful. We thank you for your spirit. We pray that your spirit would rest upon us now, that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and an opportunity, Father, to be honest about our sinfulness and your desire to redeem us anew each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been, at least these two weeks, looking at Matthew's gospel. And last week, and I want to do a little bit of a refresher, because you really have part one and part two. So last week we were in Matthew chapter three, and we're looking at at a character by the name of John the Baptist, right? And there were some words that he shared, because he was the forerunner of Jesus, And one of the things we tried to do last week is be really sensitive to the timetable. That is to say, what is John the Baptist doing and saying and speaking from his position of Israel? And then how is Matthew telling the story through John the Baptist? And then what does it mean for us today? So we need to try to keep that same tension going on today as well. I want to recall, though, chapter 3, verse 2. Recall this was the text we read, Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And if you recall, the big point I tried to make last week is that kingdom is probably not the best way to understand this because when we think about a kingdom, we think about a place, right? We even talk this way when someone in the faith dies and maybe they've gone to a better place. And we, we tend to think of getting away from here where this, this difficulty is here where we live every day. And We all know how painful and challenging life is and how just very, I mean, death is the one we can't escape, but whether it's challenges of finances or illness or relationships, or trying to figure out, we've got some younger adults in here trying to figure out career decisions, those things get on us very quickly. And the distinction we made last week is that kingdom is probably not the best way to think about it, because really what God is doing is it's a rule, it's a reigning, it's, it's, a, it's a relationship, it's active, it's presence, it's here, and so we turned the verse, we read it, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the reigning of heaven is near. This captures it a bit better, and this is the message that continues on. So again, these are John the Baptist's words as he is approaching and, and being the forerunner of Jesus. Later in chapter 4, uh, when Jesus begins his public ministry, Jesus himself says this. Like, like If you will, think of it this way. Jesus shows up, repent, the reigning of heaven is here. And he is exactly fulfilling what Israel was looking for. We also made the distinction that, that the, res, the, the resurrection, the hope, the redeeming of God was not just a matter of kind of coming here and taking you away from this place, but God, in fact, wanted to restore all things. It was a very creational sort of, of activity, and we're going to see some of this today. Then we went on from there, and if we recall, we looked at Matthew 28, Go and make disciples, and how do you do this? By baptizing and teaching. We've talked about baptism a little bit. So we're, we're taking some steps in Matthew's gospel here, and today we're going to go to Matthew chapter 11. Short little section here, but this is where we now have John the Baptist is in prison, and John the Baptist is back into the story again. And so what our text says for us, beginning at verse 2, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, that is Jesus, so he sent his disciples, that is the followers of John the Baptist, to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we, be, should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor." And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. So here is the setting. We've gone from where we were earlier in Matthew, and now John the Baptist is in prison, and he's hearing of what's going on because Jesus' active ministry is going. In fact, if you read the sections between chapter 3 and chapter 11 in Matthew, what you'll see is that Jesus begins his public ministry. He calls the disciples, and in fact, right before this section, he sends the disciples out. He sends them out to go and proclaim the good news. And Jesus, through this process, is doing what Jesus came to do, which he said, restoring creation, making those who are broken whole again. And so his response to John is is actually very much fitting with where we are in the narrative. Now, what we have to pay attention to here, like we saw back in in Matthew chapter 3, is that John the Baptist is very much paying attention to His history, that is the history of the people of Israel. John is the prophet who was out there proclaiming, calling, if you remember from chapter 3, repent, the reigning of heaven is near, and he was in baptizing them in the river. So it actually was a call to repentance, a baptism, not like our baptism, but a baptism a turning nonetheless, that it's not just a matter of repenting, but actually turning away from your sin and toward God. It's a process, it's a relationship, it's active, it's ongoing. So when John hears these things from prison, he sends his fathers to go ask Jesus, okay, so are you the one we're waiting for? Pause there. Now let's go really quickly here to Isaiah chapter 35, because this is important. We saw the same thing in chapter 3, that the prophet Isaiah is one who spends time talking and calling and proclaiming the same repentance to God's people and proclaiming the same hope of, come, come back to the Lord because he will save you. So in Isaiah chapter 35... Verse 4, this is what the prophet Isaiah said. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. These are the words that Isaiah is using to the people of Israel. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The deaf, the lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and it just goes on and on and on. But this is the context that John the Baptist is coming from. So one who is of Israel is looking for this kind of Messiah, one that breaks into creation in a way that begins to restore things and make them new and make them whole. Those that are dealing with the impact of sin, of of blindness, of leprosy, of being unclean and cast out and marginalized, that they will be restored. And so when John asks this question, Jesus answers him in a way that he understands exactly what Jesus is claiming. Jesus is claiming that I am the one that Isaiah foretold about. And where's the proof? The proof is in what I'm doing. Those that are deaf are able to hear. Those that are blind are able to see. Those that are unclean are being made clean again. This is exactly fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah was calling for, was proclaiming. And see, and John didn't see it. It's kind of like, so I think I've shared. I grew up on the West Coast, right, in California. What I can tell you about California in comparison to Houston, that we have a few more hills, And not just hills, we actually have mountains, these mountains called the Sierra Nevadas, right? And so it's almost like in John's case here, because you would have thought that John got it, right? John got it. Back in chapter 3, not only did he call the people to repent, but then he also baptized Jesus. And it's at that point that we hear that the father calls out and claims that this is my son and listen to him. So you think, if anybody should have gotten it, John did. But here is John asking the question again. So, so it's like, it's like mountains, right? I mean, if you drive through the mountains, again, not in Houston or Texas typically, maybe in East Texas or West Texas a little bit, but in California for sure, you can be driving through the mountains and you can see that mountain in the distance, right? So you have the one right in front of you, then, and maybe there's a second or third mountain behind you, but you just don't know how far apart they are, right? Until you drive and you kind of meander through, oh yeah, that was another hour behind that mountain that was in front of me. It's this kind of view that I think the prophets would have had is that, they saw, the, they saw the image. They saw the promise of God. They saw what the prophets of old had, have foretold about how God was going to save his people. How Emmanuel, as we just sang, was going to come near. That God wasn't just going to stay distant and away. He was going to actually come near and be present, physically present in creation with his people to redeem and to save all things. But when and how exactly? It was like the distance between the mountains. They knew they'd see it once they got to it. They knew what they were praying for. They knew what they were hoping for. But they didn't know fully how it was going to be demonstrated. So this is why John is asking this question. Are you the one? I mean, he's hearing this stuff. Are you the one we're waiting for? Question for you. How do you share the good news of Jesus Christ with others? I mean, mean, where is your confidence in the faith? Where's your proof? Have you thought about this? I mean, maybe, maybe you can be honest as well today and say, you know what, I really don't think about sharing the faith because that's, I don't know, that's a little scary. I'm still working on myself. Fair enough. We all are. But I want you to stop and think about how do you take what your faith is and put it into practice? Are you worried about people asking you questions that you don't have the answer for? Hmm, that's fair. Do you feel like it's your job to go out and and win people for Christ? Like somehow that shows that you're a good Christian? Hmm, That's probably well intended. How's that working out for you? That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? So I think there, there's a key here in how, how John, who was in his time and place asking these questions, asks Jesus, and then Jesus responds again to John in his context with Matthew telling the narrative. But as I was trying to think through this, and, and this is, a, again, a long time ago, we're connecting John the Baptist who was from you know, times, the hu- Israelites, hundreds of years before Jesus, and then here is John 2,000 years ago, and then here we are. Today, trying to figure out how this makes sense for us with the whole story. So so it occurred to me how Jesus responded to the question was, was actually quite instructive for us. When John asks the question, are you the one, how did Jesus respond again? Let's take a look here. Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. The good news is being preached to the poor. I'm not talking about the content of what Jesus is doing. I'm talking about the process. Go back and tell John what you have heard and seen. When those folks went back, his disciples to John and talked about what they had heard and seen, I suspect that John... This is just me speculating. I suspect that John was actually quite encouraged, excited, overwhelmed that the Messiah has come near. What an amazing experience and place to be. So my question for you is, can you share what you have seen and what you have heard? Now, this is not to say that you have to go find miracles, okay? That's not my point here. My point is, can you go share what you have seen and what you have heard? Last week, we talked about the forgiveness of sins. If you recall, we went through the, lit- the confession. We talked about practicing the forgiveness of sins in our homes and our relationships. The first step of just admitting and saying what you have seen and what you have heard is just being able to say, you know, I'm not quite as good as i tried to portray are we willing to share our weakness? Are we willing to talk about the one who knows all of my weakness but broke into my life to save me? See, it's not about answering all the questions. I guarantee that each one of you could just talk about what you're doing here this morning, whether it's good or bad. There's things that you're experiencing this morning that you think this was, this was the music, whatever it is, is so uplifting, and just talk about what you've known. Talk about what you've seen. Talk about what you've heard. Talk about what you feel. It's, it's just so compelling to people when you're in relationship with them. It's not about having all of the answers. It's about being present with people and sharing your life. And I hope, and I pray, that as you work on yourself, as the Lord works on you, that you'll be able to be more comfortable in that setting, because let's be honest. The Lord does not need me, does not need Pastor Aaron, does not need you to accomplish his will. If he needed us, he, he picked a, a pretty poor bunch, let's be honest about it. <laughs> but he so graciously invites us into the relationship, into the activity of what the reigning of heaven is. He actually uses us to forgive one another's sins, which come straight from the Lord himself first and foremost. One of, um, I know I'm kind of bouncing around here, a lot of of things running through my head, but one of the things that was always so compelling to me at seminary, as we would study the texts and the amazing things that are in the narratives, especially in in the four gospels, the, the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Jesus and his ministry. And let's be honest, a lot of that stuff is just narrative, right? Jesus went to the Sea of Galilee, and he went here, he went there. It's just, there's nothing special other than just telling the story. It's just kind of content. But the miracles that Jesus does are, I mean, unbelievable. If I was there, I would hope that I would believe that they show who he is. But I got to say, if that was going on today, I'd probably be pretty skeptical, right? Okay, that's fine. But... Where my thoughts at seminary would go is the amazing miracles that Jesus would do of of healing people and giving sight. And you can go through the narrative and read all these amazing things he's done. But what about the multitudes of people that were in the same position that did not receive healing? What about the deaf that never got their hearing back? What about the lame who sat begging on the mats that we heard about Jesus taking some and raising them up and walking? What about those that were never healed? What about the many, many people who died who the Lord did not come and raise from the dead? What about them? Did God forget about them somehow? No, not at all. Not at all. So we have to look at these things. What Jesus is doing is what he is coming in the context of our complete history of salvation. That is to say, from Adam and Eve to the fall and and all the way through Israel, the Old Testament to the New Testament, Jesus, in the context of that, is showing and demonstrating who he is, that he is the God over all creation. And that just because you did not receive the healing or the sight or the walking, whatever it is, that you've had death and destruction in your life, the hope is looking forward to the ultimate fulfillment of the resurrection in Christ, the restoration of all things. This is the reigning of God which we get in glimpses, which we experience, which we can share to others, made true, fulfilled, demonstrated so that every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. I said last week, and I'll say it again this week. The Lord knows every aspect of your life. He knows you better than you know yourself. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And he knew how much of a complete failure you're going to be. How sinful and rebellious you are you will be. But God did not come to leave you there. Jesus did not come to leave you in that position. He came in a way that, that calls you to life. He came in a way that gives you the invitation to admit those things, to be honest about them, because when you are covered in Christ, you are covered completely. We're the ones that deal with memories. We're the ones that deal with guilt. We're the ones that deal with the destructed relationships because of our decisions and our activities and the things we, we try to fix that we just cannot fix again and again and again. But when God forgives you, he casts your sins away. As far as the east is from the west and you are clean and complete in him, this is what Christmas is about, the season of Advent that, that God came near. This is about Will we celebrate while we gather in this place to to laugh and to hug and to hopefully cry and pray with each other? To be reminded of what God is making in his people, in us, in this church. That his spirit is present. That it casts a diverse group like this together. Not so that we just sit here, but so that we go out and we share what we have seen and what we have heard. Because in the power of the spirit, it gives life. It gives the invitation to admit our failures and our struggles because we have victory in Christ, and not just today, but for eternity. So we can face anything in our life and know that the hope, the sure hope, the trustworthy hope of God in Christ is with us. You know, part of what we experience, um, as I said today, you know, one of the things that always struggled with me is the number of people in the scriptures that would not have been receiving the healing gifts that Jesus came or the disciples in the book of Acts would have been doing on behalf of Christ. So, so many people that did not receive that kind of of healing and kind of care that were apparently left out in the cold. But part of what the gift of the church is, and this new thing that Jesus was doing with the Spirit being present in every believer, is that he was sending forth a people on behalf of him that would carry the actual forgiveness of sins. When Jesus says the reigning of heaven is near, that is He Himself. And He knew what His mission was. That was to go to the cross, to be crucified on your behalf, on mine, for the sins of all the world, to rise again and demonstrate that the payment was complete, that the requirement of death had been met. And part of what, what God gave us in Christ is a meal, right? A meal. And as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, as long as we partake in this body and blood, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. You will be eating if you participate today to receive the forgiveness of sins. Do you realize that this kind of miracle, though ordinary, though just bread and wine, is actually participating in the eschaton, A very big word we use to mean the end of times, the return of Christ, the fulfillment of all things. By sharing in this meal, you are receiving that gift that apparently not everyone received in the scriptures. By sharing in this meal through the Spirit of God, you are being restored. You are being forgiven. You are eating and drinking to your strength and to the strength of faith. It is an amazing thing to consider. Have you thought about it that way before? There's a reason why we talk about the Lord's Supper and why we treat it with with such high regard. And it also means that there's an appropriate way to to come and receive as well. Because this is a gift of the Lord for us to receive, not for us to figure out how we want to partake. And I just share these things because it's an amazing gift that that we come and receive, and and we're going to have the joy of celebrating this as a family here in just a moment. But I want you to see the connection with our text in Matthew. When Jesus calls the disciples or tells the disciples to go back to John and say, tell them what you have seen and heard, that the lame walk, that the deaf hear, that the dead are being raised, we are participating in that exact same promise today through this meal. It's an amazing, amazing gift, which only the Lord can give. And while we celebrate the miraculous, it's also very ordinary. And it's through the eyes of faith that we can see and hear. And this is the kind of stuff that we can share. It's the opportunity that we have to... To participate together. So I'm going to grab some some of the wine here and bring the bread down. This was not instituted by man, this is the God of creation. Coming near to us in his promise through his sacrifice. For it was the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed that he took bread and we had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and we had given thanks, he gave it to them and he said, Take and drink. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this remembrance of me. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the testimony of the Scriptures, for John the Baptist, for his desire and sight to look for you, Father, to come near in Jesus. We thank you for Matthew, our evangelist, and his this telling of the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray that in the season of Advent that it would be very near to us, Father. We pray that through your Spirit, through this meal, through the opportunity for us to go forth, that we would be willing to share what we see and what we hear. That we would be comfortable not having to have all the answers, Father. But we know our lives. We know what you have done in our lives. We know how you continue to chase after us so desperately wanting a relationship with us. Help us, Father, just to share that. Help us to be willing and able to share our failures, our struggles, so that we can, in turn, give praise to you, Father, for your forgiveness, for your restoration, for the relationship we have through your people and your church, so that we can be knit together as a body, as a family, to send the word forth. Help us, Father, to share what we see and we hear. And, Father, by your Spirit, help us to to in faith recognize what we partake in, in the supper. That it's not just bread and wine, that it truly is your body and blood present. That it truly brings the forgiveness of sins, that it truly nourishes and sustains us and sends us forth in your power, Father, so that we can, we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, it's in, it's in our risen Savior's name that we pray. Amen.